Welcome to episode 15 in Wireless Future podcast. And I'm here today, as always, with Eric Larson. How are you today? Hi, Emil. I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. And I'm Emil Björnsson, as usual. And this time we have a guest, namely Professor Carlo Fischione at KTH, Royal Institute of Technology. He's a professor in Internet of Things. And he's also the chair of something called Emerging uh, technology initiative, naturally, on machine learning for communications. Great to have you with us. How are you? It's very good. Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, really a pleasure. Uh, it's uh, exciting uh, to, to be here. Thank you, really. So machine learning for communication is matching very much with one of the previous episodes that we have in this podcast. Uh, however, I was planning today, we will turn it around and talk with something that you also have been working on, namely how uh, wireless communication can support machine learning, so rather than uh, communication for machine learning. So uh, to get things going, what is, in your opinion, machine learning? It's a, that's a very good question, uh, and um, there is actually not a scientific consensus on the precise definition of machine learning. But generally, in in, uh, in the areas that are interested for, for us, uh, that we work with normally, I, I mean, wireless communications, uh, um, and um, related areas. Uh, normally, with uh, machine learning, we intend uh, the, the fact that we have certain uh, data and uh, we would like to associate a meaning to this data. And um, this association is uh, therefore a mapping, so a mapping between data and uh, labels, the, the meaning. And um, so it's um, in, in a nutshell, we can say that machine learning is it's finding this automatic mapping uh, between data and what they mean. And um, it's uh, interesting that the machine learning uh, in this regard is seen as a subset of artificial intelligence, a little bit a more general area from many point of views. But also this is uh, debated and uh, people have proposed uh, a even a more general name that includes both uh, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and this is uh, the data science. Um, so that's, we, we are therefore working in, in, in this kind of uh, larger domain that today is generally called data science. So if we just look at conventional algorithms that also might take a measurement of some kind and then make a decision, say we are measuring the quality of a communication channel and then we determine what power we should use or something like that. What makes uh, machine learning based algorithms different from conventional ones? Yeah, the main difference is that uh, uh, in, in uh, conventional uh, algorithms that we have been using so far, um, usually we work with uh, analytical functions uh, or uh, with analytical arguments and this means that uh, if there is a uh, uh, data and uh, we have to take some decision based on, on the data, such as performing endover in wireless communications or uh, adapting the transmit rate um, or, or uh, deciding uh, which modulation format. All this uh, has been done now quite successfully, by the way, uh, with the sort of uh, um, algorithms that are built with analytical arguments where one has a model of the physics that uh, is happening, wireless, the, the, the way the waves are transmitted over the wireless channel, um, a description of uh, the fadings in analytical terms, 
And um, so the algorithms are, are, in a sense, is a result of uh, um, uh, calculus, uh, in the, basic, the basic calculus, if I can say now in, in a very rough manner. And um, instead, machine learning has another uh, approach here, uh, where um, uh, these, these algorithms are, are not based uh, on uh, um, a series of, of uh, logic steps and, and proofs, but rather it's more an empirical, if I can say so, an empirical approach, and uh, where, where the algorithms are built on experience. Um, and um, to give a, a more tangible example of this, we, we can look um, uh, to, for example, the Shannon capacity that, uh, as we all know, is uh, an analytical relation between the signal-to-noise ratio and the um, achievable data rate that a channel can successfully support. And um, uh, Shannon, uh, our, our, one of the great scientists uh, in our research areas, uh, he derived the, the Shannon capacity and with analytical arguments, uh, working, by the way, for something like 10 years, um, and uh, using uh, um, ideas from uh, calculus and algebra. And uh, this, um, this equation can be seen really as a function that takes as input the signal-to-noise ratio and gives as output the data rate that a channel can reliably support. Um, this is, in a sense, is what is done in a, in a traditionally in, in our research area. In, in wireless communications. Um, but now machine learning, data science, is offering an alternative approach um, which, in, in which this map between, in this case, signal-to-noise ratio and, and uh, achievable rate is uh, derived empirically, uh, looking at many, many, many experiments and then generalize, trying to generalize um, in, a, really in an empirical manner the association between signal-to-noise ratio and achievable data rate. And uh, now this is uh, creating a, a series of uh, new interesting questions and, and uh, possibilities. But uh, I think that is also interesting for, for, um, for us somehow to, uh, to remember that uh, in, in the history of science, in the history of research, these this ways of approaching problems is not new. Um, and it's almost in, in the beginning of uh, the, the modern way we, we intend science, in the, in the 1600s, um, the, the, the astronomers, they were looking at, at the motion of the planets, recording um, really where is the planet right now and looking at the sequence of data and then out of, of, of these recordings they try to generalize the way the planet uh, were, were moving. This was the approach of, of, of Tycho Brahe, since we are here in Scandinavia here, so it was a Scandinavian, uh, well-known Scandinavian astronomer um, in the 1600s. Then uh, the century uh, after, Isaac Newton uh, somehow arrived at the same conclusion, but with analytical arguments, I mean, geometrical uh, and, and calculus-based arguments. So, it's in, in a sense, it's two, two, um, two, two different approaches, one analytical-based, the other one data-based. 
and uh, they are not at all uh, in uh, contradictions. Uh, they uh, go wonderfully together and one inspires the other, one is needed for, for, for the other. And so we also we hope that this is going to happen in, in uh, wireless communications. Yeah, I think this is a great way of describing it, that sort of all our models are from the beginning based on people who made measurement, collected data and then tried to explain the phenomena using models. And now the question is when we are developing new algorithms, should we base it on the good models that we know already or should we use new data from which we haven't extracted models yet or which it's very challenging to extract models? Yes, that, that's a really, really um, an important question, and um, I, I am I, I believe that uh, in, in many cases we will be using our um, model-based approach, our analytical approach, and in other cases uh, when we have a lots of uncertainties uh, and complexity, then probably um, the, the data-based approach could be more useful, more performing. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. Um, so Carl, you have written this paper, uh, Wireless for Machine Learning. And in this paper, you talk about the notion of, on the one hand, centralized machine learning, and on the other hand, decentralized or distributed machine learning. Um, what are the differences really here between centralized and distributed? And what are the use cases for these different approaches? So it's um, these uh, algorithms, uh, centralized and distributed, uh, they have a different uh, nature and uh, uh, can also be used for, for the same um, uh, approach. But uh, um, in general, uh, the, the, the basic difference is that uh, in machine learning, we, we have um, um, two elements that we have to keep in mind. And one is the data, of course, and another, another element uh, is uh, the computation. Computation that uh, um, uh, it's uh, to build the mapping function from the data to what they mean. This is one computation and then another computation that is about uh, once we have built or computed the mapping function then we have to use this, this mapping function that will take uh, as input new data and will predict, will, will, will tell what is the meaning of, of the data. So the, the first kind of computation is called a training, and the second kind of computation it's generally let's call it inference. Now, in, in centralized and distributed machine learning, uh, data uh, training and inference um, could happen in, in, a, in a different manner. And in, in particular, in centralized machine learning, the assumption is that uh, all the data it's uh, collected in some central location. And in that location, we also have uh, all the computational power that uh, will build the mapping function and that we will also apply the, this mapping function to make uh, the predictions, uh, to, to, to make inference. Instead, in distributed machine learning, uh, we, we can have uh, this uh, strange situation in which uh, some data is here, some data is there, and uh, some piece of the computation uh, for training is done here, some piece of the computation for training uh, to, to build the mapping function is done there. Uh, and uh, analogously, once we have uh, built uh, the mapping function, we could have uh, a piece of computation here to make the inference, another piece of computation there to make the inference. So generally, we can say that in distributed machine learning, 
data and computations are spread. Uh, and uh, mm, uh, this is actually the case of uh, wireless uh, networks. So this is the, the certainly in the case of wireless Internet of Things. And I, I believe that um, one of the most important current uh, revolution that we are uh, uh, witnessing today is the revolution of the Internet of Things, where uh, many, many wireless devices uh, are embedded in, in uh, whatever, it's in, in our buildings, uh, in our the human bodies, um, in the cities, uh, in the smart cities, uh, in the environment, in, in, on the lakes, uh, underground. So it's um, thousands and thousands of uh, wireless devices. And to, to in 5G, for example, we speak uh, already of the order of 50,000 uh, wireless devices per square kilometer. Um, and I'm speaking of wireless devices uh, that are uh, small, not, not our uh, smartphones. I'm speaking of uh, really sensor wireless sensor devices for environmental monitoring, city monitoring, uh, traffic monitoring. And this will be added to the smartphones, to our uh, um, laptop. So it's a huge, enormous amount of devices that are distributed over large, I mean, relatively large geographic areas. And so this is a, it's a natural situation in which uh, uh, computations and data is distributed. And um, in, in, in these cases, we have a whole, whole set of new um, services and um, um, data analysis problems uh, that uh, are, are different from doing data analysis in a central location. Mm. Um, and right. um, um, there is many examples that uh, we, we can do here for this distributed machine learning and um, the, one of the simplest is that uh, um, we would like uh, to predict uh, um, where is, uh, for example, uh, the, the traffic flows, uh, um, in the vehicular traffic flows in, in the cities, um, putting together measurements from uh, camera sensors, uh, um, um, noise sensors, uh, and these predictions uh, have to be done uh, in a um, relatively small local geographic area. Um, so this is demanding for distributed uh, machine learning uh, services and algorithms and, and, and methods. And, and also the, the, every time we are working with data that uh, have a form of privacy and security, we necessarily will have to do distributed machine learning, such as um, uh, if you wish to know what is our health state, let, let's say, and we have wireless sensors in our body that are collecting measurements, and then this data has to be analyzed locally and the prediction on our health state has to be done locally, it's distributed. But at the same time, for making these predictions and to, to make a successful data analysis, we have to, to use in some form, in some manner, data also from many other people and from other data sets. Um, and so the, we, we need a form of distributed uh, computations um, um, that, that are respectful of privacy and, and, and security and, and many, many such uh, issues. All right, Carlos, what you're saying is that with centralized machine learning, 
uh, the, the learning model resides in, in a central location and all the computation happens there and all the training data are fed there in order to facilitate the learning. Whereas with decentralized learning, then training data uh, might reside at different distributed places and some of the computation also happens distributed so that there is no need to like aggregate all the training data to a central location. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Emil, do you want to uh, continue on this line? Yeah, I started to, to wonder, I've heard about the concept of federated learning, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. Uh, is this an example of distributed machine learning? It is, uh, yes. Uh, so it's uh, now federated learning uh, is one uh, method that uh, it's uh, very popular. Uh, and one of the reasons of its popularity is that it's actually used in, in our smartphones. Um, and it's a typical instance, it's a typical example of distributed machine learning, where um, the, the problem is that every wireless device wants to have a good mapping function from the data to uh, labels. This is called the mod. This mapping here is called the model. And uh, to, to compute such model, um, one not only needs the data stored in the local smartphone, in the local wireless device, but also data in, in other many other wireless devices. And uh, federated learning avoids to exchange data. Instead, federated learning exchange some um, um, t temporary uh, models, some temporary mappings, uh, and um, in, in a star network topology, this, uh, after a while, uh, with iterative uh, computations, uh, arrives to um, um, very good uh, um, computation of the mapping function at, locally at, at our uh, smartphones. And um, yes, as, as you say, this is uh, an example of uh, um, distributed machine learning, but there is very, very many other uh, cases, very many other examples that are quite different from federated learning. And interestingly, if we look um, at um, the, the research in the area of parallel and distributed computation, um, we, we have, um, among others, uh, a very famous book from um, in 1987 of oh. Professor Tsitsipis at, at uh, from MIT, and, uh, and in this book uh, we, we can say that federated learning is one of uh, I don't know a few thousand possible examples of distributed computations, distributed um, methods to, to, to that we 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 can use. And there is many, many more methods. I mean, federated learning, uh, it's when uh, all the wireless devices are uh, more or less interested uh, to computing uh, the, the same and common uh, mapping function, the, the same common model. But we can have the situations uh, where the models have to be different. Um, still, uh, the device needs uh, to uh, forms of exchanging data because the computation of the models depend on the data of, of the others. And then we have the, the um, even more challenging situation in which uh, um, <clears throat> data are uh, it's unequally distributed among the devices, and the, the features of this data, in particular, is unequal distributed. And uh, here we would need entirely new new methods. So, uh, in particular, in the case where the models are different, there is a, one of the well-known methods, very different from. Uh, 
Federated Learning is, a, is called COCOA. Um, and uh, just to, to give now, to, to, to name one of, so, so that, yes, Federated Learning is uh, a, a prominent, uh, uh, very popular method, but it's one of the very many methods that we need in distributed machine learning. So if we just uh, stay on, on federated learning or, or related methods, is the reason to not send the uh, all of the data, all the observations up to some point or to share them between the points, is the reason for that to protect privacy or is it to reduce the amount of signaling or, or perhaps a combination? <laughs> Uh, yes, it's actually, uh, as you said, um, uh, Emily, it's exactly, it's a combination of all these issues. Um, one of the characteristics of uh, almost uh, all distributed machine learning methods, and therefore also federated learning, is that uh, uh, what is sent from the wireless devices to um, a sort of cluster red, a sort of uh, coordination point, is not raw data, but uh, some transformation of this data. Um, and um, um, then uh, this transformation can ensure up to a certain level uh, privacy, because uh, data is not sent uh, plainly, uh, but um, there is some algebraic manipulation that is done, and, and uh, um, this um, increases the level of uh, privacy. Uh, at the same time, all these distributed machine learning methods uh, uh, doing this uh, local processing, local manipulations on the data, they uh, have also the potentiality to, to reduce the amount of data to, to transmit. And um, so this is uh, very good, especially for our wireless uh, um, for, for, uh, smartphones, uh, Internet of Things, because to, to, to send a huge amount of data, it means to use energy from, from the batteries, and if we can reduce the amount of data to transmit, then the batteries last, last longer, and uh, it's, everything is much more energy um, efficient. And, and um, this is, um, um, is, is not always obvious that we reduce data, but in many situations we, we can do this uh, uh, we can really do a huge data compression, a huge data reduction with methods such as federated learning or many other distributed machine learning methods. Um, it's also interesting that, um, um, yes, it's, um, we reduce privacy um, in, in sending these uh, transformations of the data, these algebraic manipulations, uh, but again, this is... Uh, um, quite uh, dependent from case to case because uh, a listener who could there uh, could be there and could collect uh, these this, uh, transformations of the data that are sent over, over some communication channel, uh, this observer could uh, reconstruct um, pieces and bits to, together and can in, in some cases still be able to uncover the, the original data. Um, so yes, distributed uh, um, uh, machine learning methods can increase privacy, but it's not obvious and it's, it's not always the case. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, then I guess this distributed method could also be run over the wired path of the internet. But uh, if I understood correctly, 
the aspect of wireless here is particularly that the devices are wirelessly connected or battery powered and that we need to take those uh, properties into account. Yes, this is a very good point that you, you are touching, Emil, now that uh, um, of course, it's uh, as, as wireless uh, re researchers, we are interested to, to, um, to, to this uh, domain and, and uh, its method and, and the technological uh, implications. And uh, all, all uh, distributed machine learning methods, uh, they, they have a, they, they, it's, um, there is a relatively long research history that goes back at least to 30 years. And all these methods, uh, they have been deployed having in mind not actually wireless devices or wireless networks, but rather networks of servers. Um, like, such as in data centers, uh, there is a number of distributed uh, servers because every server uh, doesn't have uh, enough memory uh, or enough computation to process a uh, huge amount of, of data. And so there already 30 years ago, 40 years ago, researchers, uh, especially in the area of parallel distributed processing, uh, they, they came up with the idea of uh, distributed machine learning. But now, uh, what, what is happening again in this uh, revolution that arguably we are uh, living today of, of the Internet of Things, um, data is generated uh, in, in distributed devices, wireless devices, and uh, the methods of distributed machine learning that come from the world of parallel distributed computing are not good enough for wireless uh, situations. Uh, because of the, the communication channels are not uh, those communication channels uh, in the data centers. We were they, there in the data centers, there is a powerful uh, optical uh, cables that connect servers. Uh, but but in, in, we know that in, in uh, wireless communications, uh, the channels uh, behave uh, uh, quite in a different manner. And uh, so the exciting uh, somehow news for, for research in this domain is that uh, we, we need this federated learning method, uh, more in general uh, distributed machine learning method, have to be re-engineered, redesigned, sometimes even from, from the beginning, for wireless uh, networks, for, for wireless world. Mm. So, so Carlo, yeah, uh, I mean, speaking of federated learning, and the transmission of, let's say, learning model updates over a wireless interface. Are current wireless networks and standards um, appropriately designed for this application? I mean, it seems to me to be like an entirely new application of wireless, right, to send model updates and fed learning. Uh, are current networks and standards appropriately designed for this new application? So the, the somehow the uh, sad answer is is that uh, only partially, and this is sad because uh, then uh, the development and the usage of, of uh, uh, machine learning and related services uh, is uh, somehow hindered from from the current uh, com communication networks, in particular public wireless uh, networks such as four uh, G. And, uh, and 5G. But at the same time, this is an exciting news because we will need to, to redesign and to, to, to advance um, future wireless networks to, to support this kind of uh, services. They, they are more in general services in the area of distributed intelligence. And um, so it's uh, many, including me, think that uh, wireless communication protocols, the existing wireless communication protocols, 
are not, they are not intended, they are not optimized for uh, machine learning. And what does it mean this in practice? It means that uh, if we try to use uh, these communication protocols uh, to support federated learning or, or uh, in general distributed uh, machine learning, uh, then either we will get poor performance or uh, we, we will not get uh, um, um, the machine learning tasks done on time and with the efficiency that we need. So we, we need to really, um, many, including me, think that we, we really need to, to redesign and conceive an entirely new set of communication protocols, wireless communication protocols, to support machine learning services. Mm. Yeah, it's quite exciting. So but how, how about, for example, in 5G, there is this notion of network slicing, uh, I think. Uh, is that anything that could be exploited for uh, machine learning and federated learning in particular? Oh, definitely. Uh, th that's uh, now one of the um, somehow um, revolutionary concepts in, in 5G that uh, um, the, the network can be um, parted in slices and every slice can be associated to a specific service and, and, and so hopefully there will be one day in the future a slice that is associated to machine learning services and, and um, um, this is something that um, likely we will do relatively so soon um, but then um, we will realize that uh, the, the slice using current 5G technology is still uh, is, is not good enough for the range of um, machine learning and in more in general artificial intelligence services that will have to run on top of wireless networks. Um, but that's uh, really um, the, the concept of, of slicing. It, it helps, and historically, uh, again, we, we can see an interesting trend that. Um, in the in the history or in the if you look at really at the last 120 years of radio communications we see that radio was first developed just to send some basic signals then it evolved to to at some point to to send voice communication with with the diffusion of radio thanks to the Irish Italian inventor Marconi, and then later on uh, it was further developed uh, to send uh, data. I mean, data that uh, uh, not necessarily had to be sent in some form of real time. Um, then we had uh, later on uh, in the 1980s and the multimedia, 90s and multimedia communications. Every time uh, there has been uh, um, a technological evolution introducing uh, um, specialized. Uh, communication protocols over wireless and so that will be now this is uh, the decade of the artificial intelligence and the internet of things and so um, I, I believe as many others that uh, we will need dedicated slices dedicated new protocols to support artificial intelligence yeah very nice um, yeah, do you want to follow up yeah, no, I, I think this is a great point. Sort of, I think network slicing concept also designed for technology to be forward compatible. And maybe when it was designed, the, the idea was that oh, the first slice will be uh, broadband connectivity. Then we will have low latency, robust communication, and uh, IoT device just for sending small data. But 
potentially this uh, machine learning type of slice might be something that will be much more important though than uh, not mobile program perhaps but the other two because uh, everyone have a device with a neural engine in their iPhones or so so there will be a plenty of data to transmit so uh, let me switch uh, topic a little bit um, and ask you about something else you're talking about in your article wireless for machine learning over the air computation that sounds like a new exciting direction what is that yes no that's uh, now um uh, actually very well connected precisely to what we were speaking about so we, we just say that uh, uh, luckily, arguably, as, as somehow uh, researchers here and engineering in the field, we, we feel that uh, wireless communications are, are not uh, well performing to support artificial intelligence, to support machine learning. Um, and the reason is that historically, wireless communications have, they have been developed with uh, with the ideas to, to, to send uh, some form of data, voice, video, uh, multimedia, not, not machine learning, not artificial intelligence. Uh, and now over there, uh, computation is, uh, an, uh, if I can say so, a groundbreaking uh, new idea uh, that uh, proposes to, to, uh, uh, to send um, information for uh, um, distributed computation to, to so on the on their um, function computation uh, uses the concept that uh, uh, if different uh, transmitters uh, are transmitting at the same time and at the same frequency, then uh, the electromagnetic waves, the radio waves, they will they, they can overlap at, at a common at a point at the receiver. And um, this is a perfectly, I mean, a very natural concept is that if, if many people are speaking at the same time, a, a listener will, will hear their voice uh, uh, superimposed to each other or overlapping. And so it's with uh, wireless, um, uh, with the radio waves. And uh, now that, uh, this overlapping of radio waves in, in traditional communication systems up to now generates interference. And um, uh, essentially, we can say that uh, wireless communication protocols up to now have been built uh, considering interference as a strong enemy as uh, something to, uh, to avoid as much as possible and uh, all the techniques are there to counteract interference but, uh, and this is now the, the groundbreaking concept uh, in um, distributed computation uh, situations such as in, in distributed machine learning interference is not any longer an enemy it's actually a can be a friend because uh, uh, interference or overlapping of simultaneous transmissions is a computation, is a sum, and this uh, sum now can uh, magically make for us computations as we are transmitting data or transformation of this data over wireless communication, they can be summed up over the air. And um, this is really something that has been noted relatively recently and is approximately 15 years ago that there is some, um, some some small papers that have been trying to uh, to work with with this uh, concept, and maybe one one day you know it will uh, um, develop uh, in uh, its in, in its full uh, power. 
um, and the, the, we, which, which means that uh, the wireless communication will become an analog computer that performs a computation for, for us without uh, uh, that we, we need a third party or a third place uh, where, where these computations are performed. And again, looking historically here, we, we, if this idea of over-the-air computations for artificial intelligence, for machine learning, if this will be true one day, in maybe 20 years from now, 15 years from, from now, then historically we, we can see an interesting perspective that uh, we have had the cloud computing, all the computations are done somewhere in servers on the cloud, then we had the, the concept of, of um, um, edge computing, where is the computations uh, are done close to the base stations, and then we had the concept of fog computing, where uh, computations are done even closer to uh, the to, 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 to the um, wireless devices in the wireless access points, which would then be connected to base stations. And if these on-the-air function computations uh, would be successful, then uh, we will have uh, clear sky computations, uh, so that so that we will forget about a little bit of fog, uh, edge, uh, cloud computing, and the computing will happen magically over wireless communications. This is an exciting idea. So I think when we talked a few uh, episodes about cell-free or distributed MIMO system, that was sort of about sending the same signal from multiple places and make them add up constructively over there. But, but here is rather to send different data that only exists at different locations and then let them add up yeah. over there. So, so what do you say, Eric? Yeah, uh, I mean, um, over-the-air computation is really like, I mean, you're exploiting the superposition principle of the wireless Mac channel, right? I mean, it's like Norma in the analog domain somehow. It's pretty cool. Um, I'd also imagine, I mean, that this brings with it a number of new challenges. Like, for example, if you want the signals to add up synchronously, then number one, you need appropriate power control. Number two, you need phase synchronicity and so forth. You want to elaborate a little bit on that, Carlo, on the, on the challenges here in making this work in practice? Yes, Eric, this, this is really now uh, an interesting uh, uh, set of, of questions and uh, um, uh, this, this idea of, of their functional computation, we, we can say that uh, it has been observed uh, at, uh, at the level of a principle uh, and in the technological uh, scale of uh, uh, readiness of, of, of a service or product, uh, we know there is nine levels, the technological readiness levels. And I think over their functional computation here is at the level now maybe one or two. It will take so much more research from scientists and engineers to, to evolve it to the point that will be practical. Because as you said, there is many still questions to, to, to solve. First of all, as it is conceived now, we need that all the involved wireless devices have to have a very fine time synchronization of the order of uh, uh, nanoseconds. So it's really, really fine uh, synchronizations that uh, could be complicated to, to achieve. Um, the, the other um, big uh, problem is that um, um, all the devices need to have a very good estimation of, of the wireless channels uh, from where they transmit and until uh, where information is, is received. And this has to be very good estimation. Otherwise, uh, these, these computations uh, over there uh, 
are greatly affected by this, uh, this kind of, of error. Um, then um, there is also uh, the question that um, the modulation that we have used to use uh, the physical layer of the, of the isoosy stack, um, this, um, this modulation are special, they are specially intended for over-the-air function computations and um, um, is not always compatible this kind of modulation, for example, with the current uh, 5G standards. Um, so new modulations here also means a new hardware, new kind of hardware uh, that, that we'll have to use uh, to, to make uh, the, the, this uh, principle uh, technologically possible. Um, and then we have um, all, all, all a series of, uh, so, so to say, uh, foundational questions about uh, the ultimate complexity and performance of these over-the-air algorithms. So all this will demand really 10 years, 15 years of, of uh, hard work of many, many bright researchers all over the world. Yeah, this is exciting. I mean, it's great news for everyone working on uh, wireless <laughs> physical layer and Mac layer design, I guess, as well. Um, Emil, do you want to talk about um, yes, uh, I something was, new? Yes, yeah. uh, uh, when I was reading your article, uh, there were a number of other things that catch my eyes. And one of the things you mentioned is importance of air communication. And then first when I said, uh, saw the title, I was thinking that, oh, we, in communication, we have all, all of the source coding where you sort of look, okay, this is the content that we're going to transmit. And then uh, we are using its entropy. If there's high entropy in something, well, with them, uh, there is more importance in that information. It's uh, less easy to predict it. So therefore, we need to send more bits to describe it. And then there's the other way around when the information is sort of already more or less known what it's going to be. We, it's easy to convey it. And uh, But uh, it seems like this is something different. It's some other kind of important of, of the content that you are capturing within importance where communications yes that's uh, indeed uh, um, there is um, for various similarities and um, uh, but at the, at the current state of, of research uh, this line has not yet been uh, ex explored and what what are the, the similarities and what what are the concept the concept is that uh, um, in, in uh, when we transmit uh, in, let's uh, again uh, as reference federated learning as one of the many examples of distributed machine learning. In federated learning, we have to transmit uh, from the wireless devices to um, some uh, central point. We have to, to transmit uh, the models, the local models, or the so-called, uh, now to be a little bit more technical, the gradients, the gradients on the loss functions that are computed on the local devices. And um, what is extremely interesting here is that uh, these gradients uh, um, are the, 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 it's a vector, and we might not need to send all the elements of this vector. We don't need to send over wireless communication all the elements of this vector um, because um, for the computations of distributed machine learning, uh, it could be that the elements of, of the gradient vector they don't bring a particular uh, 
uh, important. They, uh, these elements uh, um, have of some reduced magnitude, or, or uh, they, in some cases, they even introduce uh, noises in, in these computations, even over their computation. So the concept is that. Um, we could, uh, instead of sending the overall vector of the gradient, that could be in, in, in some, in some uh, in actually many machine learning cases, uh, this vector could have millions of elements. Say that we, we can reduce 99.9% uh, uh, .9 of these million of, of elements of the vector of the gradient, we, we, we have a tremendous saving from a wireless point of view in terms of usage of wireless resources uh, and, and uh, the transmit powers and occupation of the channels and, and so on. But um, now what, what is here um, uh, interesting is that uh, the way we reduce uh, the um, elements of this uh, gradient vector, uh, the way that we have been using so far, uh, is uh, grounded on optimization theory ideas. Um, and such as uh, um, um, uh, looking um, um, at uh, the, the noise that uh, uh, the removal of these uh, um, elements of the vector generates where the computation is performed. And looking there, what is the minimum level of noise that we can achieve in, the, in these computations? And uh, then uh, having in mind this optimization point of view, this error minimization point of view, um, we, we could decide to remove more or less elements of the vector, or we could decide to do a quantization of the element of the vector, because quantizing with a rough quantization, we save lots of bits or we, uh, we remove some of the elements, or we could even do what it's called sparsification. Sparsification is an operation in which uh, we intelligently we, we, um, uh, compress uh, a vector to a, sm a smaller vector um, um, thanks to an underlying property uh, that the original vector has, and this without causing too much information loss. Now, all, all these uh, um, um, ideas have been analyzing, having in mind um, minimization of errors, which is, uh, in the end, uh, estimation theory, optimization theory. And now you, you asked, uh, um, uh, Eric and Emil, uh, you asked, uh, why, why don't this remind us uh, information theory? That's a, a fantastic question. Maybe we should write a paper of this. People have not yet done. <laughs> and in fact, if you think to estimation error, um, the estimation error in, in an estimator is connected to the Fisher information matrix. Uh, and so there, you know, the, the, the branch with information theory is, is immediate. So that could be ne next paper on the subject. I see. Yeah, so uh, I think one of the, the big use cases of machine learning in general is to say take all these optimization algorithms that we know are asymptotically uh, converge into the optimal decision optimum of some kind and then we try to uh, either make them converge faster using machine learning to tweak the algorithms or in this case I understand it's like uh, you try to reduce the amount of signaling so instead of taking the the best step in your algorithm based on optimization theory you, you say okay I have a certain budget of information I can send so I would like to use utilize this information budget to take as many good steps as possible. 
Definitely, and this is so well connected to what we were saying before that um, distributed machine learning has been somehow conceived and invented for the world of distributed servers. But now, when we are doing wireless communications, uh, we, we, we have to re engineer it, we have to do something different that is good not only to achieve. Uh, the, the training functions send at some point, but also it's good for the wireless devices. We, we don't want that our wireless device die after 10, 10 minutes of doing some AI uh, service. And that, that's here is, is the ex excitement of redoing these things to get wireless and machine learning together. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there are so many new and interesting and exciting research questions here that are emerging. So. Um, I think a final topic that Emil and I would like to touch upon here in the conversation with you is on privacy and security aspects. And we already mentioned, I think, I think you mentioned, uh, Carlo, um, privacy aspects of federated learning, where there's always a chance that even though an agent or a device has its own uh, training data and doesn't share the training data but just performs model updates on the data that the update itself will leak some information right and if I understand well the technical term for that is deep gradient uh, leakage but there's also I would imagine a host of security aspects of distributed um, machine learning and, and especially where, where the updates are sent over a wireless interface. Uh, for example, one could think of jamming attacks where uh, some hostile uh, device uh, transmits uh, all sorts of <laughs> junk okay, meant to destroy the communication link. I'm not sure to what extent there would be much or any different from jamming attacks in, in say, conventional wireless applications. And on top of that, I believe that there are also poisoning attacks where agents intentionally misbehave in order to cause damage to the learning model by sending, well, gradient updates that just pull the model into some entirely wrong direction. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on this, Carlo? Yeah, that, that's really a fantastic uh, set of questions here, yeah. and uh, it's um, an, an incredibly complex uh, um, research. Uh, um, f first of all, the, the, the notion of uh, privacy, um, secrecy, security is very complex on, on its own. And uh, even there is even different disciplines that uh, that work together, that have to work together here to, to arrive at some point in the future to, to some answer. Um, and to, to, just to give an, an idea of, of this um, tremendous uh, research complexity, um, we, we have the, the notion of cryptography, we have the notion of uh, differential privacy, we have the notion of uh, information theoretic secrecy, and then uh, the notion uh, of multi-party computations. Uh, and I myself a few years ago suggested the idea of optimization theory-based uh, privacy. Um, it's, it's not always common what, what is the, the um, I mean, it's not always clear what is the common uh, um, element um, among these different uh, notion, and, and uh, then uh, how to embed um, by design uh, privacy and, and security um, properties into distributed machine learning over wireless. Uh, this is really 
almost unexplored and one in its many many years of, of research and uh, investigation and as it is at the state of the art here the situation it, it doesn't look good in the sense that uh, it's easy to um, for a wireless device to, to start to inject uh, wrong data or to um, um, participate to some distributed computation with the purpose of destroying these computations. Um, so it's, um, yes, it's many, many questions to, to investigate. Right. I mean, concerning the letter, I mean, a device that just injects some false data, how can you even tell, right? How could you even... Uh, distinguish between an agent that is intentionally misbehaving and injecting some junk data or, or sending some junk updates to the model from an agent who has access to some unique and genuinely valuable training data. I mean, if, if you are, you know, like you have a network of cameras and almost all the cameras see a street view with people walking, but one of the cameras see uh, an elephant walking on, on the highway. <laughs> How could you tell then whether this camera is misbehaving and intentionally trying to fool the learning model or whether it really observed something which is highly important for the, for the network and for the model to, to, to know about? Um, so I suspect there are like a host of new questions that emerge here and which are absolutely non-trivial and which would require knowledge and approaches from multiple disciplines in, in order to, to address. Definitely. That is exactly the central uh, consideration here. And, and uh, it's a difficult questions, it's new questions, uh, interdisciplinary questions, uh, and, and really so, so much exciting research uh, is needed. It's, so it's really the case that uh, security and privacy uh, for distributed machine learning, for distributed artificial intelligence uh, is in the, at the infancy, um, to, together with also uh, many of the considerations that we, we have uh, done so, so far. So and this, this for, for, for us researchers is, is good news. Absolutely. Yeah, no, we are delighted to have you as a guest in this episode to talk on the theme of wireless for machine learning. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for sparing some of your time with us. And uh, uh, in the description of this podcast, you will also find a link to the paper. And uh, we'll also put a link to your your website and to the uh, yeah this ETI, uh, IEEE Machine Learning for Communication Emerging Technology Initiative, which I think people who are interested in the topic could find a lot of interesting material there as well. I agree. This was a great fun conversation and I learned a lot as always. So thank you very much, Carlo. And thank you, Emil. Thank you so much, Emil and Eric. It was a great pleasure to, to be here. It's really fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you to listeners and we see you in the next episode. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.